0: Is the Lord among us or not? They often say that preachers are preaching to the choir and today it is for real. Choir, I am so glad you are here today. This would be very strange without you. I'm delighted you're here and helping us with music. I wanna just repeat a couple of things I said before because people may just now be tuning in. I think we're all aware of the health crisis in our country and in our world related to COVID-19. On Friday night, the bishop made the difficult decision to suspend all public gatherings in diocesan churches and facilities, and that includes public worship. But we are not canceling worship in the sense that there will be a faithful core that will gather to worship every Sunday at 9 a.m. and it will be live streamed so that all the people of God can worship together in their own context. Our goal in doing this is to, in a sense, keep those who are most vulnerable safe and also to help our healthcare system as it begins to cope with an increase in cases. So as the church and as followers of Jesus Christ, Holding before us the most vulnerable is central to what we do. And so we thank the bishop for his leadership in this time. Today, I would like to talk a little bit about our current situation, to talk about the lessons for today, and to reflect on how we might live in this time. What does faithfulness look like in a time of fear? So I wanna tell you that this health scare isn't just theoretical for me. There's been some questions and some chatter around the church, and so what I'd like to do is just tell you a little bit about what happened to me the past two weeks, in a sense, to set your mind at ease, but also so you know that I had an up-close and personal look at this. A couple of weeks ago, I developed a cough. I didn't think much about it, and then it got a little worse, so I stayed home. And I didn't have a fever, so I wasn't too concerned. And then we got word that a conference we had attended in Louisville, Kentucky, that someone from that conference had tested positive for COVID. I wasn't in contact with that person. He wasn't in my cohort. But nevertheless, I called my doctor, gave the news. And because I have mild asthma, the doctor said, you know, why don't you just go to the hospital? I've already given them a call. Get checked out. Well, social distancing, I can tell you exactly what it looks like and what it feels like. When I arrived, I was met by staff in protective gear. They brought me into a negative pressure room, and they told me that pretty much my care would be through my cell phone, except when they had to come in. I began to identify with those who are going through this experience and how scary it must be. As it turns out, looking at my symptoms, which were inconclusive, and the fact that I'd been at this conference, in an abundance of caution, they did test me for COVID-19 and the test was negative, I do not have it. But I do have a common respiratory ailment, and so if I cough, cough at some point, even though I'm well past it, um, you'll know what's going on. That's my experience, and in a sense, that's what happened to me, but I am mindful now that there are people around the country who are doing this in their homes, in their families, in their communities, trying to assess symptoms, trying to figure out the right course, and the fact is, most people will be just fine. Call your doctor if you have any questions, but for many people, the symptoms will be mild. For a select group, it's a little more dangerous. Those who are older, those with chronic conditions like heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, folks like that are more at risk. And we already know from looking at around the world and in our country, some will die. This is a disease like influenza which can take life and And so we meet this morning mindful of those who are grieving this day as i looked at the lesson from exodus today i wondered what this sojourn through the wilderness on behalf of the israelites had to do with us in this time and in this place let's review a little bit about what's happened the people were liberated from egypt they were out in the wilderness they'd been out there for about six weeks And already things were getting tough. Already they were getting frustrated. There wasn't food, there wasn't drink. They began to complain and they began to grumble. The Lord cared for them each time with just what they needed for that day and they would receive it with thanks and then return to grumbling. And after a while, Moses becomes overwhelmed by their cries. He calls out to the Lord, and the Lord tells him, take your staff, go to the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come forth. And that's exactly what happened. And the people drank and were grateful. As I began seeing the story, I realized that as a people, we are entering into a kind of wilderness. What does wilderness look like? Wilderness is often marked by limited resources, loneliness, and a sense of danger. In the wilderness, familiar reference points are lost, basic needs are accentuated, and the future is uncertain. Wilderness experiences can be both individual and collective, and I suggest we're entering into a kind of wilderness. We know from last week's gospel lesson that Jesus was tested in the wilderness. Three times, the devil encouraged Jesus to trust someone or something other than God. And three times, Jesus made it clear that only by trusting God could he make it through the ordeal. Theologically, Jesus accomplished in the wilderness what the Israelites could not. So what do we learn about the wilderness from today's lesson? First, that wilderness experiences are inevitable. They are part of life. In Ignatian spirituality, we talk about times of consolation and times of desolation. Both have a role to play in deepening us in God. And so I want to assure you that God holds us in this time. There is nothing that is outside of God's love and embrace. Wilderness experiences are inevitable. Second, the lesson from Exodus reminds us that God provides for the people in the wilderness. doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. It just means that each day, God consistently gives them nourishment for their needs. Now, the fact is we may not like what God provides. We may have trouble seeing it as provision. In this lesson, when the manna first appeared, the people didn't know what it was. They had to be instructed that this was bread from heaven and they were given just enough for that day. There may be people in our lives who will teach us what provision looks like in this time, who will point to the grace of God and help us to see here is nourishment, here is drink. Third, as I've said, God provides enough for one day. We can't hoard God's treasures I wish the people who bought all the toilet paper knew that. God gives us just enough for each day and we can trust that God will provide for the next day as well. Interestingly, in the story from Exodus, when God provided the manna, they said that a few people tried to hoard it and save it for the next day and what happened to it? It turned wormy and was spoiled. Just enough for today. And finally, The wilderness makes us grateful. In times of abundance, in times of normal operation, we can lose sight of the gifts that are all around us. And in the wilderness, we come to realize what we really need and how much we really depend on one another for our common good. I'd like you to think for just a moment some of the things you were thankful for this week. As I watched on social media, some people began these posts to say, what are you thankful for? What have you noticed? And for me, it was these healthcare providers who were amazing, pharmacists, and funny meme makers who are helping us laugh in a time of fear. Some of these images that are going around are really funny. Think for a moment, what are you grateful for in this time? My 22-year-old daughter, Lucy, gave me a bit of manna this week. It was Friday night. I'd been working all day on our church's COVID-19 response plan. It was all queued up. I had just released it, only to get a call from the bishop that public gatherings were canceled. I understood, but it had been a long day. And to make matters worse, once I got home, my my car battery died. I was exhausted, and I was stressed out. And since my wife, Rachel, was busy, Lucy suggested we go out for dinner. And while we were walking to the restaurant, she put her hand firmly on my back. And I realized I hadn't been touched all day because we're not touching one another. And as she put her hand on my back, I literally felt my body changing. And the anxiety began to melt away. The frustration became more peaceful. It was as though I had touched Jesus' cloak. I'm not overstating it. Something happened bodily with that firm, clear touch. And at the restaurant, Lucy turned philosophical talking about the importance of perspective in times like these. It was just what I needed to hear. It was a gift. It was manna in the wilderness. These are interesting times. We do not know exactly how things will unfold, but God does give us clues today of how to navigate the wilderness, recognize that wilderness experiences are inevitable, trust that God will provide, take one day at a time and be grateful. And if you listen to that list, it's exactly in keeping with 12-step recovery groups. That's no accident. Throughout the season of Lent, we've been preaching about reordering the disorder, and in the mystery of the universe, it looks like COVID-19 might play a role in that reordering. I'd like to close with a poem that was written just four days ago by Lynn Unger. And I know that some of you saw this on social media. It is a profound and beautiful poem called Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath the most sacred of times? Cease from travel, cease from buying and selling. Give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing. Pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down, and when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has become clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. Amen.